Welcome to the Global Dance Network podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Smolik, and I invite you to join the conversation with artists who are passionate about inspiring and equipping you for whatever sphere you find yourself in. How do dance and Christianity work together? Choreographer, director, and dance educator Fred Vassalo shares insights from his personal testimony and experience of the power of movement. Dance and spirituality. And I'm going to kind of uh, contextualize that through my personal testimony and experience because I didn't think that um, dance and spirituality work together. Well, actually, to be clear, dance and Christianity. I always knew that dance is spiritual as a dancer even since I was younger was always convinced of the spiritual sort of power and connection with movement but dance and Christianity I didn't understand how that existed specifically in hip-hop dance like the waving of the flags the you know the you know praise dance I've seen that but specifically hip-hop dance, I didn't think that that had a place in Christianity. So that's kind of the, the jumping point um, for all of this, for the testimony. So I'm going to go backwards first to, to come there. Yesterday I shared with you guys a little bit about my, um, my background as a kid. Grew up as a break dancer, so when, this, when break dancing and hip-hop as a culture hit the suburbs where I lived, um, I just fell in love with the music and the culture. Um, and specifically, I learned through the music that drums and bass are sounds that my body reacts to. So if I hear a bass line or drum patterns, it could be electronic or hand percussion, it pushes buttons inside me. It's like, oh, okay, we're, I have to respond to that. So from a kid, I would like fell in love with the music and then the movement. And so I'd be in my room for hours practicing break dancing and, and hip-hop dance uh, and freestyling. Fast forward to my teenage years, that's when I took the first hip-hop class and um, was spotted and asked to join a professional hip-hop dance company. And then from that time on, had a period of being a commercial hip-hop dancer, doing music videos, uh, commercials, backup dancer for artists, all of that. So around that time, I wind up um, through a series of stuff that we were talking about yesterday, wind up uh, converting life to Christianity and giving my life to the Lord. And as I shared with you yesterday, immediately heaven opened over me. I felt like I found the truth. This is the thing that I'm called to live my life for. Um, so um, that's that journey. Um, but I had a problem on my hands because shortly after that, I realized, oh, wait, I'm like, my profession is hip-hop dance. And at the time, not only was I doing like auditions for things and being part of things, I was also teaching like 20 to 30 classes a week and in dance studios and in non-Christian secular dance studios. Um, now my dance style, because of my training, um, because of my training in like the original forms of hip-hop dance, of break dancing, popping, locking, my movement was never like sexually suggestive or like booty drops and stuff like that so there was never sort of a values conflict with with it it's just that i didn't think that that hip-hop dance had a place within the kingdom of god so one night i'm like evaluating oh my gosh this is like i can't do this anymore 
And so I was literally like on my knees one night and just like bawling because I was putting them on a scale and thinking, okay, well, the kingdom of God is the thing that I know that I'm born and called to do above everything else. But this is like my passion since I was a youth, my profession. This is how I'm making money and I'm teaching and I know I'm like, I'm influencing lives through my teaching, but there's no place in the kingdom of God for it. So what do I do with that? And I remember just like the feeling of like, oh, I have to like give this up. Like I can't do this anymore. And when that reality hit me or what I thought what I had to do, I just was like weeping, like, gosh, I'm like literally going to not do this. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to quit everything. I won't teach anymore. I won't go on any auditions. I won't do any of that. I'll just like give it all up and I'll just become, I don't know if you guys have ever watched The Simpsons and you know, the character Ned Flanders. Like, so that's what I thought like I had to become like Bible in the arm and howdy ho neighbor, Jesus is Lord. I just thought like, okay, well, that's what Christianity is, I guess. I guess I just have to surrender to just being this, like, heat for Christ, like, and just, like, that's okay. And so, um, and I literally, I remember the point of, like, emptying myself out of that desire, like, okay, God, I'm going to quit everything. And then when I finally felt like I surrendered it all, immediately in that moment, I heard the voice of the Lord say, okay, thank you, Fred. Now, let me show you what the true power and the true purpose of movement is for. And right from that moment, he started giving me assignments and started telling me what to do. So he said, don't quit all of those things. So this was like assignment number one was, don't quit teaching all that. Instead, I want you to infiltrate it with my music. So he said, go find any and all Christian uh, music that has a good beat to it and use that in all of your classes. Mm -hmm. Because the movement that I was doing was sort of universal, right? It's just, it's movement, and because it was based in like the rudimentary principles of hip hop dance, it could apply to whatever tempo or beat. So I would find like, at the time, like Mary Mary, Kurt Franklin, Dietrich Haddon, like all these like gospel artists who were producing music that had like a hip hop beat to it. And it was fascinating because all of the, the, the thought was, oh, you start playing that in your classes and they're all gonna flee and they're all gonna run out. And it was actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. They didn't care what the music was as much. They just wanted the movement. As long as the movement was real and authentic and my teaching to them and my presence as a teacher with them had the heart of compassion for them, the music was like, mm -hmm. like irrelevant almost. Um, as long as the movement was good. So um, it was fascinating because since I knew a lot of these families, I knew that some of their backgrounds weren't Christian, but then they'd be coming in and be like, oh, Mr. Fred, guess what? I just got the, this new that CD of Mary Mary or Kirk Franklin. Now they're playing like Christian and gospel music in their cars every day. They're buying the albums. And so it was like God's showing me like, hey, you don't have to put me in a box. Like, as long as I have your heart and as long as I have your obedience, like, we can do all kinds of things together. Mm -hmm. And um, that was the, like, key principle. And I saw, like, transformation. Because, I mean, you guys know this. When you're in a classroom, you're listening to the same songs over and over for an hour. And what happens is, lyrically, 
whatever messages are being communicated are influencing the thought patterns. Um, and there is a reality to what you listen to influences your life and influences your behavior. Um, so I had a couple of those moments even with some, there was a, one or two like uh, pushbacks from some of the students who wanted like, you know, whatever the hot song was. And so I remember this one class, there was a girl who said, oh, um, can we play Smack That? And I don't know if you remember that song. And I was like, oh, I was like, you like that song? And she's like, yeah, I love that. It's my favorite song. I was like, oh, okay. Who else likes that song? And there was a few people like, yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, let everyone sit down real quick. And I played the song. I asked them to listen to the lyrics. And then I asked them, hey, raise your hand if you want to be smacked right now. Who would like to like just be like smacked and like like humped? And, and they were like, oh my gosh, no, no way. It's like, okay, well, that's what the song is saying. So when you celebrate the song, you're celebrating the lyrics. So it's important that you evaluate what you're listening to because that does influence like what you, what, you know. What, so it was kind of a fun moment for them to like really start thinking about, oh, without shame, just like, oh, that makes sense. Like, you know, but, and that's the trick of music is that we respond like we talked about yesterday to the beat. So the music is the first influence, and then the lyrics are secondary. That's why a hot beat comes on, and we're just like jamming, and we're not even really paying attention. And then we realize, oh, this is what the lyrics are saying. So that was assignment number one, and that was sort of like the simple assignment. Um, you can... <laughs> I don't know what was it called. You've ruined everything. <laughs> so, um, so that was sort of the simpler assignment. So then... The first encounter that I had was um, was in the church, and we were, it was like praise and worship was happening, and it was a very like gospel-centric church, so the music was really lively. And I'm in the front, and I'm praising where I'm doing my little two-step for the Lord, just literally doing this as like the arms raised, and I'm doing my two-step, and then... Um, I looked down and you know the it was a typical like church carpet you know like the short haired carpet and all that and I looked back down and all of a sudden the carpet is now a marble floor and I was like oh that wasn't there before and then I look up and as I pick my head up these huge like Greco-Roman columns shoot up like all the way down and then I'm in all of a sudden I'm in a huge palace on the floor and then there's a throne and there's a giant throne and then there's someone on the throne and I know that it's the Father God even though I can't physically make out like the distinctions I just know oh that's the Father God and meanwhile I'm still doing my two step on the floor in the palace like a court jester would be before a king and I'm, and I'm dancing and then all of a sudden I hear like spirit to spirit um, call me by name and say, Fred, every time you dance, I want you to imagine this scene right now. You're dancing for my glory, and it is good. And as soon as he said, it is good, I'm back, like, carpet, floor, people next to me. Uh, okay, that was weird. Yay. That was really awkward. And so, um, so that was the first sort of open vision that I, like, had about that. But God's promise to me on my knees was, I'm going to show you the true power and purpose of what movement is for. And so, um, as a 
first thing that that taught me is the paradigm shift of who is my audience. And so you guys are all performers. Um, you know, like your background and your training is you're, you're there to entertain, to serve basically your audience. Um, and a good performer has that in mind that it's not about, hey, look at me. It's actually, I'm here for you to bring you into an experience and to bring you into a moment. But with that paradigm shift, the Lord taught me, when you're on stage, you're to imagine that you're dancing before me. So no matter if there's one person there in the audience or 100,000, your focus and attention is on me and you're dancing for me. And the spiritual principle in there is, is that if I be lifted up, then I'll draw all men unto me. So if your goal as a performer is to serve your audience, then you do so first by like dancing for, for the king, and then he'll draw all men onto you. And that's the concept of being a vessel for God. Because the reality is we're not meant to hold glory and fame. And that's what messes a lot of performers and artists up is because we're actually not meant to be worshipped. Now the human condition is we constantly will idolize people, things, nature, because why? We're actually born to exalt. It, that's, the, that's the healthy, good thing. We're actually born and made to exalt naturally. But when we forget what we're supposed to be exalting, then we put our eyes on people, celebrities, fame, this, that, or the other thing. So as a performer, our job is, because you're gonna get it, as soon as you, you elevate yourself onto a platform or a stage, then people automatically do that. So your responsibility is to know what they're doing, but then have the access point to God and know what your place is, because then it doesn't get stuck. Because if I think it's about me, then it comes into me, and then it gets stuck here, and then it starts messing with all of this. Because then I think that I'm the greatest thing, and then I go into to pride. So, but if I know, oh, I'm just a servant here, that yes, I can be great, I can be amazing, I could be one of the best, but I know that it doesn't stop with me. It actually is because of who is the best and who, who God is. Um, so there was that, that was like the first sort of encounter experience. And then the Lord started doing this thing with me where he started training me on how to hear his voice. And so it was these little setups that he would do where I would hear like, I wouldn't hear him speak audibly. It was like spirit to spirit communication, but it would be like, hey, Fred, go over there and tell that girl that Jesus really loves her. And I'd be like, no, I'm not gonna do that. That's like, she's gonna be like, get out of here, weirdo. That's like stupid. And so then I would evaluate like, oh, I guess that's not a bad idea, but no, I'm not gonna do that. So because the Lord knows us so intimately, he knows like how to speak to you, 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 and the things that like you would respond to, he knew that how he made me was sensitive in my body. As a choreographer, I need to be able to interpret music and so I'm physically sensitive to sound and, and feeling. So when I would say, no, I'm not gonna do that, I would get this vibration behind my kneecaps, like a buzzing behind my knees. And I jokingly say it was like an like a electric shock collar, like a dog collar, but it wasn't harmful. It just was like, like I could feel like a vibration. And I remember the first time was when 
he said, hey, go tell that girl that Jesus really loves her. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to do that. And I got this little buzz behind the kneecaps. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And that kind of was annoying. But no, God, I'm not going to do that. And I would feel the vibration. Like, all right, <coughs> I guess that's not a big deal. So, hey, just want to let you know, like, Jesus really loves you. And I know that might sound weird. And ah! she starts bawling, crying. Oh, my gosh, I so needed to hear that today. It's just really the thing that, like, was really, I was, like, feeling blah, 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 blah. So I was like, okay, check, got that. So then he was like, okay, go over there and give that guy $10. So this is like the course of like two weeks. I'd be like, no, I need that $10 for gas. Like, I gotta get home. Like, that's my money. Oh gosh. All right, I'll just go. So, hey, uh, the Lord told me that I should give this $10 for you. Oh my gosh, I was literally just trying to sign up for this course. This is, this is all actual stories of, of what mm -hmm. happened. And I needed $10 in order to enroll in the course. And I just exhausted everything. I don't have any more money to give this. And this last $10 is exactly what I needed. So I'm like, okay, all right. The Lord's, you know, working it out. So it was like series after series of events where he basically said, Fred, go do this. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay, I'll go do that. And then I would go and do it. And then the end result is that it always resulted in someone being blessed or encouraged and then and the way that the kingdom of God works in exchange is that you're never sowing without reaping. And the intention is you don't sow to reap, but it's naturally the process. So all those things would come back to me. The $10 I thought that I needed for gas, it came back to me in a different way. Like all of these things are just exchanges where God just has you as a vessel in the environment. So... Um, so that's how he trained me on hearing his voice. Like, basically, I'm going to buzz you so that you know that it's my voice talking to you. Um, so that's the setup for the next encounter that I had, which was the church that I had gotten saved in. Um, we're doing a 40-day fast, and it was a successive fast where you, like, fasted a meal every week and, until you could do, like, juice and water the last three days. So... Uh, they, they had a big event on the final day where everybody came into the sanctuary and you like filled out this like three page paper that anything that separated you from the Lord, like whether it was like, oh, lying to cheating to, oh, I lied to my grandmother to I murdered my grandmother to like sexual abuse, molestation, like everything that like has happened to you or that you chose to do that would, we would consider sin that would separate you from God. And so you were to mark it off on this paper and then we'll all come into the sanctuary and it was praise and worship happening. And then row by row, you went up to the altar, you ripped your paper up and you threw it onto the altar as like an act of like cleansing and surrender. Just like, God, I'm just rededicating to you. I'm just doing all this. So, <coughs> so I fill out my paper. Oh yeah. <laughs> And I'm sitting down in the row, and then I hear the Lord say, Fred, when you go up there, you're going to dance on all of those papers. And of course, my first response was, no, I'm not going to do that. And I feel the buzz behind my knees. Now, it was a Word of Faith church. I don't know if you know much about them, but it was very much a church like decency and in order. Like the pastor has got like 10 armor bearers. Like you don't just like jump up on the stage without security, pulling you off the stage. It wasn't like, hey, free love, everybody, do what you want. It was very much like, so 
the concept of me jumping onto the stage to dance on all these papers without being asked was not something that I was uh, rushing to do. So I get out of my seat and we're walking what I felt like was walking to my death. I'm like, and I'm having this internal argument with God, like, I'm not gonna do that. That's like, that's like really stupid. It's like, I'm not gonna, okay, fine, I'll do that. Like, oh, but gosh, that's gonna be so awkward. Okay, fine, I'll go do that. So it was, I think, to, to be clear, God's always offering you a choice. And even if, you, if I didn't choose, like his goodness would cover me in that way. Mm -hmm. The thing that, the thing is that there is, blessing in your obedience, both for others and for you. And so I get to the front of the stage. I rip up my paper, I throw it on the altar, and then I try to play God a little bit. Uh, it was like, it was like step, and then another step, and that was the altar, and it was huge. So I, this was my dance. I put my toe on the stage, and I went, and this was my dance to the Lord, to dance on all of the papers, like this. And as soon as my foot hit the stage, I hear like the voice of thunder behind me go, I said dance. And my body went onto the stage. And as soon as both feet hit the stage, the whole atmosphere shifted and everything around me changed. And suddenly I was in a huge cloud. I was like in a mist and all I could see was like, literally like I was in the middle of a cloud. And then the sounds all went away, except for these three sounds. The sound of the drummer, who was a conga player, and the conga player was on fire. It was like, which is interesting, because remember from my youth, the sound of percussion is the thing that makes me come alive. So this, I hear the, the, the conga player, then the sound of wind, And then the crackling of fire. So I hear fire, I hear wind, and I hear drums and percussion. And then um, I feel, this is what I felt like. Like, realistically, I was all over the stage, just stomping over all the stage. But this is how I felt like I was moving. Just like. All these like fire, wind, and drum sounds, and I feel like I'm moving in slow motion. Though I know my feet are just like all over the stage, stomping over all of it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the sounds change from fire and wind and drums to the sounds of shrieking and moaning. And then I hear all these like demonic sound effects and sounds. And it was interesting because they started loud and then they trailed off and got lighter. So you hear like like all these like strain and I just was still slow motion and like hearing those sounds. And after about two minutes, I just felt complete peace that like it's over. The time is done. And so I make my way sort of off of the stage. Remember, I can't see anything. I'm in a cloud. I'm just like <laughs> off to the stage. And, it's, and then all of a sudden, everything starts dissipating. And then I'm back <laughs> in the world, I guess. And then I get off the stage. And I literally walk back to my seat like this. Like, 
go and I sit down and um, I sit down next to my wife who was then my girlfriend and she was like, I sit down and I'm sort of like, okay, did that like just happen? Was that real? What was that? I'm like processing and she leans over to me and she says, okay, I don't know what just happened. I know it was God and I'm slightly embarrassed. Um, so <laughs> because she was the one who like brought me here to this church. Um, so, um, but it was good confirmation for me to know like, oh, okay, that wasn't imagined. Something happened in the atmosphere and something shifted and it was powerful and it was not of my own doing. It was uh, of God. And so the service finishes and we finish the service out and then um, I leave and as we're walking out, we keep getting stopped over and over again, testimony after testimony. We can't get out of the building without people like literally chasing us down and going, hey, you don't know what happened to me while, while you were on stage, but something happened inside of me that I can't explain. Like I feel lighter all of a sudden. Like for, for some reason, it just like while you were dancing, something inside of me changed and I could like move and be more free. And then they started getting a little bit more intense. Like this one woman said, um, all of a sudden she became aware of claws that were in the back of her neck, like just stuck in the back of her neck. And as I was dancing, the claws, she heard this, first she became aware of them and then she heard them rip out of her skin, like, and then flee. And she said, and all of a sudden I was like lighter, like in my body I could just, I had this freedom in my body that I didn't have before. Um, this other woman said she was stuck in the rows and there was people all over this side. She was like literally in the middle of the row. She said, I wanted to dance so bad, but I couldn't, I couldn't move. But as I fixed my eyes on you and moving, all of a sudden the freedom that you had on stage, I could feel that freedom in my body and I felt like you were dancing my freedom. And I felt in my body the freedom that you were out on stage. And, uh, and then it was like testimony after testimony, like something physically left my body. I feel lighter, I feel free, I feel like I, I could move and I felt the freedom inside of me that I saw on stage. And so I went back to the car and I was like, okay, this is what you were telling me, Lord, like you're going to show me some of the true power and purpose of movement and what's possible in the spiritual realm with movement and how it brings freedom. And um, there's the scripture in Isaiah 61, which is like um, a huge uh, like scripture for me, which is that the spirit of the Lord is on me and he's anointed me to set the captives free. And it's the calling that we all have as believers, but in movement and in dance, it's the unique power that exists in the kingdom that we actually, through our obedience to God and through the spiritual and physical discipline of movement is the ability to set people free, to, to release them from bondage. In the natural, it's what dance does naturally. You take somebody coming into a class, well, automatically, as soon as they start moving beyond their typical walking, sitting, body language, already there's a physical freedom that happens once we start breaking out of, I mean, unless you walk down the street like this, right? So already, immediately, physically in your body, 
you're expanding your range. So there's this thing that happens inside of us where we know as dancers, like we experience that. That's why we, what draws us into the love of movement is like that freedom that we experience. And it's an inherent power in movement that exists no matter what. But when we partner with the kingdom of God, when we are obedient, we listen to a plans and purposes, then we can take that exponentially and then cause uh, and create and co-labor with God for these things to happen. So um, so that was sort of my journey. There's a, there's a couple more, but I want to I um, maximize our time. <coughs> so I'm going to fast forward a bit to one other, the last one I'll share with you, which is um, I love this uh, encounter because it's so simple and it's so practical. So uh, over at, at Bethel Church, I, the, every summer they do a worship school on campus and it's like dance, music, songwriting, it's, it's awesome. Um, so one of the days there's worship going on and uh, let me just use, I'll use that wall as an example. Okay, so if you imagine this is the stage and this is where worship's happening <coughs> and this is all rows of chairs, there's like an, an aisleway here. There's the wall, there's like the aisleway chairs over there. So I'm standing here and I'm just like worshiping and then I hear the Lord say, Fred, I want you to go sit down. I was like, okay. So I look and there's only one chair that's open because the place was packed. And just so happens to be the end chair, there's a single seat available. So I'm like, okay, that's an interesting setup. So he's like, sit there. So I go, I sit down in the chair and he's like, okay, now stare at the wall. at that particular spot. So I'm watching. He's like, okay, now get up and move right, right next to that spot. So I get up. Now remember, I've already had this history of listening to the voice of the Lord and being obedient, and I know and trust that, oh, there's something good about to happen, but I don't know what. So now I stand next to the wall. He's like, okay, now I want you to turn. It's like, okay, turn. Yes, turn in a circle. Okay, like this. And I was actually just joking, like, turn in the circle. Like, am I going to be like, you know, like, boom, you know, or he's like, no, just turn. I'm like, okay, like this. He's like, yes, like that. Okay. Now turn the other way. Okay, like this. Yes, like that. Okay. I'm turning. He's like, good. Now go sit down. Okay, this is fun. I go and I sit down. And literally about a minute and a half later, <coughs> this girl who was up in the front worshiping comes by, is walking, minding her business, comes right to the spot, <laughs> starts hysterical laughing, crying, like experiencing just having an encounter with God, like right at the spot against the wall where he told me. Literally, like, crying and laughing and just like, oh. And she gets up and she, like, stumbles away into glory, just like, oh, feeling light and free. So I was like, okay, that was interesting and fun. And so <coughs> he says, all right, now get back up. So now I'm excited because I'm like, okay, this, this is a fun game we're playing. So he gets back, I get back up. I'm in a spot. He says, now turn around. And I turn around. And way back here is this guy who is like 
I don't know, seven foot nine. Oh, obviously, that's an exaggeration. He was huge and tall and super thin. And this is how, no exaggeration, this is how he was worshiping. Literally like this. Feet together, standing straight, and like this. And meanwhile, the people around him are like, you got the praise dancers doing their thing all around. So it's kind of this really fun juxtaposition. You've got sort of worship, madness, and then this guy like and so the Lord just tells me to clock them. I'm like, okay, you, you see him? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So great. I said, all right, now move back a little bit. So I'm like, okay, moving back. He said, okay, yeah, look right there. Perfect. <coughs> so I go here. And he's like, okay, now turn in a circle. Okay. Like this? Yes, like that. Okay. Now turn the other way. Okay, like this? And then, quite honestly, 20 minutes go by, I forget about the guy, I forget about that, I'm just now absorbed in worship, I actually wind up getting up out of the seat, and I'm just kind of like, okay, whatever that was, that was, and just like, whatever. So all of a sudden, I'm standing here, and the Lord's like, turn around right now. And I turn around, and the jolly new giant, who was all the way back here before, is now exactly where the Lord told me to go the second time. And now he's worshiping like this. Just like arms flailing, like legs and arms. That's all you saw. And just total abandonment on his face. And he's just like off in, in glory. So <coughs> that, that was it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's what that was for. And Part of the power in all of that is simple obedience and the power of our physical bodies to displace atmospheres and to release the kingdom physically in an environment. The Lord says that two things. One, that the kingdom of God is within you, right? We talked about that yesterday. But also that he's given you authority in your feet and wherever you go, you have authority. And so uh, there's a couple of key principles that I want to highlight. One is also about humility because obedience and humility usually go hand in hand. So when he told me to turn in a circle, you know, I could have, that's why I asked, oh, like this? Because in my brain, you know, one, I'm like, okay, now people know Fred as the dancer, you know. So I could have been like, they can't see me worshiping like this. I've got to be like, how you know ah there's your turn lord you want it the other way boom there it is instead it was like just like that so sometimes the simple obedience of just following instruction brings the breakthrough for for other people and so um that was a simple example of watching movement displace an atmosphere through obedience partnering with heaven to bring almost as if you will to sound a little bit use more colorful language like a portal for heaven to just come and invade the earth um, in that moment and that's exactly what happened in those two instances that they were locked up in something and then physical obedience brought this ability to have a release um, so um, yeah 
I want to share this last thing before we get into mm-hmm. that. Um, maybe we'll do that as we get up. So, yeah, I'll close that there and I'll bring this other point when we do this other thing. So, those are just some of the sort of encounters that I had initially. Um, there's a couple of more, but I want to make sure we use our time well today. But just wanted to highlight those, those things, like my experience, just the Lord saying, hey, this is bigger than just five, six, seven, eight. This actually has the power to set captives free. There is a spiritual dimension and power and movement that we can access as believers in order to advance the kingdom of God, to bring heaven into earth, and to influence culture, and then on a sort of not just physical level, but on a spiritual and a holistic level, actually like bring people to a place of healing and encounter with God. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We trust you are inspired and equipped to take your next step. Be sure to hit subscribe and follow us on social media to stay connected with all things GDN.